You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. My title of my message tonight is Advanced Perspective. Advanced Perspective. That's a very cool slide. Thank you, Paul Churchward, our media guy. He's a genius. But um, I also want to quickly talk about four areas of perspective that you and I are called to advance in. Let's pray. And then let's do this. God, thank you for every single person here tonight at South Campus. God, I pray that I will preach quickly, I'll preach well, and that we will be out of here in no time at all, eating delicious uh, tacos and maybe even a burrito from Lolita's. And everyone said, Amen. 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 I'm sorry, I just made somebody hungry then. You're, you're gonna be okay. Just fast, fast for a few minutes here. You'll get blessed for it by the Lord. But uh, the first perspective I wanna talk about tonight, I wanna talk to you about four perspectives. The first one, just for those of you taking notes that, that like to know what's gonna happen, it might be a control thing, but if you like to know what's happening, the first one is our perspective of God. The second one is our perspective of ourselves. The third one is our perspective of money. And the fourth one is our perspective of church. I believe that as we align our perspectives up with what the Word of God says, and we see things clearly, it's gonna help you and I to really know how to step forward in this vision builders moment, amen? So let's let's talk about our perspective of God firstly. And I've discovered that if if we have an incorrect perspective of God, inevitably it's gonna be difficult for, for any of this to really make sense. And it's possible for you and I to go through life with the incorrect perspective of God, of who God really is. And tragically, there are people out there, some even Christians that believe that that God is an angry old man on a cloud in heaven looking for reasons to send people to hell. It's just, it's it's a completely inaccurate representation of of who God is, that He's up in heaven, He's angry, He's upset, He needs counselling. He's upset with the, the state of the clouds and, and whatever. And he's, he's looking down on earth. He's trying to, trying to send people to hell. Like this person didn't use their turn signal. They're going to hell. And this person swore when they were 13 once, well, they're going to hell. And, and this person never buys Chick-fil-A sauce, even though it's complimentary. And what are they, they're underutilizing the Chick-fil-A experience. So they're going to hell. Like that's not, that's not the heart of our, of our God. Like, like he's not up there in heaven, some angry old man who needs counselling that's looking for reasons to send people to hell. Just so you know that tonight. He's not uh, got some unresolved conflict within himself that, that makes him look at you and I and, and, and not care about us. He's not looking at you and, and thinking, well, you know, I don't really care if they limp through life. He's not up there in heaven looking at, at you and I and, and thinking, yeah, I don't know if I really want the best for them. No, when He looks down on you and I, he, he wants the best for you and I. He sees you and He so loves you and He so wants you to live the life that He has for you in this world. There's an incorrect perspective that, that God is poor and that God hates money and that God is bad with money. He's on, he's on a very tight budget even though he created Warren Buffett, even though he created that Dave Ramsey guy that helps Christians get out of debt. uh, Somehow he missed the finance acumen in creating those guys. He gave all the acumen to them and he missed it himself. (laughs) But here's the thing about God. God's not poor. God does not hate money. God, in fact, owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That's a lot of hills and that's probably a lot of cattle. And He owns the hills as well. He has streets up in heaven that are made of gold. So, so our God is not, is not poor. Our God is not an angry old man sitting on a cloud. In fact, no, no, God is, is a good Father. 
He's a really great Father. And when He looks at you and He looks at your life, He wants you to live a phenomenal life. He wants you to live an amazing life. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to, to eke your way through life and just limp through and survive and struggle and live paycheck to paycheck and live with an addiction and live with dysfunction. No, He wants you to live a life that is set free, a life that's incredible, a life that's an adventure. That's the kind of God that we have. Come on, somebody say amen tonight. I'm helping set somebody free of some religion. We're gonna get started on our religion rehab series early tonight. So now that we have the correct perspective of God, it's important for us to have the correct perspective of ourselves. We know that God is a good Father. And then from that place, we can understand our position is to be sons and daughters of God. Without the correct perspective of God as a Father, it's impossible for you and I to have the correct perspective as a son or a daughter. There's a story in the Bible. You may have heard it. It's about the prodigal son. And I'll summarise it for the sake of time. But there's this farmer. He's doing pretty well. He's got a farm going on. He's got two sons. And one of the sons says to his father, hey, I kind of want my, my share of the estate now. I'm a young guy. I want to go party. I want to go live it up. I want to go to Vegas and live large. And so the father, who's a nice father, says, sure, son, here you go. Here's your, here's your share of the estate. Go off and, and do your thing. And so the, the, the young guy goes off and he goes to Vegas and he's partying. He's partying really hard. He's partying with, with all, the, you know, all the cool people. He's, he's hanging out with Dr. Dre. He's hanging out with Kanye. He's hanging out with Snoop Dogg, S-N-O-O-P-D-O-Double-G-Z. He's hanging out with, that was his name spelled. Anyone who's hood would understand that, but I forgot that we're in Eastlake. <laughs> so anyway, uh, he's hanging out with Ja Rule on private islands. He is hanging out with absolutely all the coolest people. He's having a good time. The prodigal son having a good time. But tragically, he, he runs out of all of his money. He squanders the wealth his father gives him and he ends up kind of starving. He ends up in a really bad space. He ends up in rock bottom. And he realises at his rock bottom moment, oh man, even back in my home, my father has servants who have a better life than I do. I'm gonna go back to my father. But, I, but here's the point. I'm gonna go back to my father as a servant, not as a son. So he goes back to his home and his father sees him from a long way off and his father runs to him and he hugs him. And his father says, come on, let's party because my son has returned home. The story is called the prodigal son, not the prodigal servant. There's a massive difference between our perspective. And this is why this is important when it comes to finances, because if we have the, an incorrect perspective of God, we'll have an incorrect perspective of ourselves. And if we have an incorrect, incorrect perspective of ourselves, you and I will live as servants of God who are trying to be sons and daughters rather than sons of daughters who get to serve God. And believe me, those two things are completely different. They are two completely different ways to live. And of course, if you're a servant always trying to earn your way to be a son and a daughter, of course you hate the idea of finance. Of course you hate the idea of flourishing. Of course you hate the idea of, of that God is for you, not against you, because you don't understand the position. You don't know that, that you are positionally a son or a daughter of God. You are not a servant. You're a son and a daughter of God who gets to serve. Someone say amen. amen. A servant collects a wage for what they do. A son collects an inheritance for who they are. And you can get stuck in the hamster wheel of life, always trying, but never getting anywhere because you're a servant, but you're not a servant, you're a son. 
and you're a daughter and that perspective is important. If we don't get this right, we will either consciously or, or perhaps subconsciously self-sabotage our lives when it comes to finances because it, you, you'll feel unworthy. You'll feel unworthy to even, to even have wealth or money. Guilt or shame will be programmed in you so that as soon as, as, soon as you get a, a pay rise, you'll, you'll feel like, I, I couldn't accept that. If God tries to bless you with somebody giving you a gift or somebody doing something great for you, you'll find that really uncomfortable because you don't know your position as a son or a daughter. You'll feel guilt or even a certain degree, and I'm gonna go after this tonight because I believe there are some people in here tonight that, that yeah, you're, struggling with, you're struggling with this. Even right now as I'm preaching, you're having a hard time with this, but you feel shame, you feel guilt. You almost feel like you have to hide it, the fact that you're doing well in life. There's almost like an embarrassment attached to, I'm actually doing really well in my business because you bought into a lie that, that, that money and wealth is from the devil and, and, that, and that God is against that. That's just simply not true, my friend. There should not be any shame in your life when you and I prosper. And when we understand our position of, of who God is and who we are, then there's no shame attached when you're successful in life. There's nothing wrong with that. Have you ever been hanging out with um, some PMPs? PMPs are, I call them, uh, they're poverty mentality people. And there's a few of you not laughing because maybe, you, okay, I'll leave that. But poverty mentality people, and, and, and look, I know everyone's on a journey. I know you're gonna get out of that cycle. So let's, let's I don't wanna spend too much time joking about it, but but you're hanging out with some PMPs and, and, you, and you just really wanna tell them, man, something amazing just happened. I just got an incredible promotion at my work and I'm gonna get paid X amount more dollars or man, you wouldn't believe it. We've been saving up our money and we've got enough money to buy our first home. But because you're surrounded by people that are in poverty mentality, you feel like you can't even tell them because you know that they're gonna give you the, the who do you think you are, comment, or, the, or you think you're better than us, comment. But I'm telling you, friend, that's not, that's not God's plan for you and I. His plan is not that you and I would live in, stuck in a cycle of poverty. No, 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 he, His plan is for you and I is that we would live in the fullness and the prosperity of everything that He has for us. And it's funny because there's this like, this thing out there, well, what if I become greedy? My friend, you could be greedy with $100 or with a million dollars. It's not like, well, I've got more money in the bank. I'm gonna become more greedy. No, the, the money's just gonna, just gonna show a microscope on that thing right now. Greed's nothing to do with numbers. It's to do with your heart. It's just a thought. Besides the greatest antidote for greed is giving your money away. You're fine. You can overcome that terrible curse of greed very easily. So we understand now that the God is their father. He's a good father. That you and I are sons and daughters that we have an inheritance, that we have a, an expectation. There's a difference between entitlement and expectation. Millennials, we get a hard time because we are entitled, which may be true for some of us. I'm a millennial, um, so on behalf of the millennials, I'm sorry. But let me tell you, there's a difference between entitlement and expectation. Entitlement is I do nothing and I get something. Expectation is I've sown a seed and I'm expecting something. Yeah. Expectation is I, am, I understand my position as a son and I'm expecting to reap an incredible inheritance. 
just a thought. So we understand some perspective shifts there. I hope I'm helping some people tonight. The next perspective is our perspective of money, our perspective of money. And religion is notorious for giving people, for giving Christians the wrong perspective of money. We've all heard this said before, that money is the root of? Yes, many of us have heard that. It's simply not true. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So they're completely different statements. If you read them the same way, um, you, you just need to learn how to read. Like, that's just simple. So money is not a root of all evil. Poor money. You've thrown money under the bus here. Money had nothing to do with, with someone being evil. The problem is we live in a fallen world and people have done evil things because of money, but money gets the blame for it. Because it's quite often it's easier for us to blame things that we don't have control over. What is your perspective of money tonight? For me, I believe money is a, a tool that I get to use. I get to control. It's mine. I get to control what I do with it. I don't let it control me. And it's a journey and I'm still working on it. But uh, I'm like into home improvement stuff. So I mentioned before how I'm a Home Depot guy and I love it. And I even dabble in Lowe's. Lowe's is good too. But just something about Home Depot. Maybe it's the orange logo or the extra service they give you. But anyway, I have a nail gun. I love my nail gun. I'm looking for reasons to nail things because I've just, it's just something about it. Like the noise it makes, the, the slight kick. You feel like you're shooting a shotgun, guys. If you're a man and you haven't got a nail gun and you don't go to men's prayer, um, Cherish Conference is coming up soon. And uh, you, you love it there. I'm kidding. But I'm, I'm a big fan of nail guns. I'm a big fan. I, I dabble, I dabble in, in house projects. I have shiplap walls and things like that. But the nail gun, anything that involves a nail gun, I'm, I'm going to try and find something to do with it. But anyway, I have a nail gun. It's a, it's a phenomenal tool that I own. And, and here's the thing about my nail gun. I have always completely been in control of the nail gun. It's my tool that I own. Never once has my nail gun controlled me. I don't get home at night and open the door. Shh, hopefully, hopefully he's asleep. Ryobi, are you asleep, Ryobi? Ryobi's a brand. Ryobi, he's asleep. Quickly, quietly. Hey, what are you guys doing home? Hey, why don't you go in the kitchen and make me, make me a sandwich? I'll shoot you. So I'm in the kitchen making a sandwich Ryobi's looking at me. He's going to shoot me. No, no, because Ryobi is a tool that I own, that I control. And we laugh and it's funny, it's a funny story, it would never happen. But the truth is, is for some of us, that's the way money is to us. It's not a tool that we control, it's a tool that controls us. We got all kinds of people doing all kinds of crazy things with money, buying stuff they can't afford with money, they don't have to impress people they don't know, looking in the mirror, feeling insecure. But you can't 
You can't buy your way out of insecurity, my friend. I'm just, that's, a, that's in a different message. I'm getting distracted. But my point is this, is that money is a tool that you and I have to control. It doesn't have to control us. It's a tool that we have. I'm just going to keep, keep talking about this uh, uncomfortable stuff tonight. That's why we have donuts, guys, because afterwards you can take a deep breath and you can eat your emotions with seven donut balls. <laughs> I'm an emotional eater. I eat when I'm happy. I eat when I'm sad. I eat when I'm in the middle. <laughs> and I lost 95 pounds, so I can make that joke, people. I can make that joke. I can make it. I get to. It's part of the deal. So there's this thought out there that, um, and it's kind of a crazy thought. I don't know who came up with it, but there's this idea that, that you know, uh, rich people won't go to heaven. That, 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 you know, you have to be poor to get into heaven. And my, my question really about this is, okay, well, let's just, let's talk about this. How, how poor do you have to be then? Who determines the poorness level? How do we determine that? How do we determine with all the different economies of this world if we would be too rich? How do you know? Is there a special angel? The economist angel up at the front door of heaven with cool economist glasses that are very thick and a big thing of paper with everyone's file at the front door of heaven. Oh, hello there. Yeah, so we've got um, oh, Billionaire Billy. Hello, Billionaire Billy. I see here that you, uh, you lived in a gated community. That's not going to work very well up in here. Um, you drove a Mercedes. Not a big fan of that. Oh, my gosh. Billionaire Billy. You had a private jet at one point. Oh, Billy. Look, I know you had a relationship with Jesus. You went to church every week, but uh, your house was just a couple thousand square feet too many, my friend. We're not going to be able to let you into heaven. Sorry, Billionaire Billy. Next up, we've got Middle Class Martin. Middle Class Martin. Oh, your friend and mine. Everyone loves a good Middle Class Martin. Seems you had a modest home in a relatively average neighbourhood. I see you lived in the Midwest. That's going to help you here. <laughs> Took a few vacations, but nothing too awesome. No Disneyland. That's good. That would have really kicked you out. Oh, I love this. You always flew economy. Excellent. Martin, I think we can get you in here. But you will only just make it in, so no mansion. You'll be in the poor part of heaven, Martin. Oh, next up we've got poor slash poverty Peter. Peter, looks like you had a lot of bad debts in your life. Oh, it seems you were very irresponsible with money and spent a good amount of time being homeless. Welcome to heaven, Peter. <laughs> Here's the keys to your mansion and your Ferrari. Go ahead and enjoy that. And the truth is, we're having some fun. We're laughing in church. We all know that that's not the way it is. But here's the truth. If you, live in, if you live in San Diego and you have a roof over your head, even if it's a small roof, even if you have a small amount of square feet and you compare yourself to your neighbour who's got 100 square feet more, Nah. And even if you drive a modest car, okay, and you've got food on your table, you actually are extremely wealthy. You actually, in the scale of the world, you're at the top. Started from the bottom, now you're here. No, you started from here and now you're here. Like you live in California, people. 
We're not even talking Midwest here. You, half of the world lives on $2.50 a day. So the, the debate and the idea about money that rich people can't get into heaven. My friend, none of us can. <laughs> because we are the richest people on this planet. Because you and I get to live in this blessed country, in a blessed city. And come on, someone say amen, because we are blessed people, amen. But it's, just, it's, a, flawed, it's a flawed thought. It's a flawed ideology. It's not backed up with Scripture. That, that you know, rich people cannot get into heaven and that poor people can just come on in. It's not right. It's not in the Bible. So, one more thing, let's talk about this because I'm already, uh, oh my, I'm almost out of time. But uh, here's the thing. Oh no, I'll have to skip that one. Do that one next time. Well, you know, I just think that God is really into, uh, into us investing and, and creating wealth. I'm just gonna say that. And the reason why I'm into this is because there's a story in the Bible of the parable of the talents and I'm running out of time. I've squandered my time telling funny stories about nail guns. But let me tell you, um, there's a story in the Bible, parable of the talents. One guy gets $5,000, one gets $2,000, one gets $1,000. The guy with five turns into 10. The one with two turns into four. The one with one is lazy, is fearful, whatever, buries it, does nothing. Okay, the master comes back. He sees the guy with 10,000. He says, well done, you're awesome. Sees the guy with 4,000. Well done, you're awesome. Sees the guy with 1,000. And he says, hey, what's going on? Why'd you bury the talent? What what are you doing? You got a thousand? I gave you a thousand bucks. You did nothing with it. He takes a thousand off that guy and gives it to the guy who was uh, fruitful and faithful with what God had given him. That actually is the economy of heaven. That tells me that God is actually into business and you and I trading and working in our lives and having company and building businesses and selling them for lots of money. That's God. God's into capitalism. I'm sorry if you disagree. But there are people that would tell you, well, everything needs to be fair. Everything needs to be even. So $5,000, 2000 $1,000, $8,000. Let's just go the even scale. And I, I do like math. Unlike Pastor Stacey, I'm a, not a mathematician, I won't say that, but I'll pass math in school. So $8,000 divided by three is $2,666.67. If you distribute this money amongst the three people evenly, that's what they would get. And if two of the people double theirs every year for 10 years and one doesn't do anything, in 10 years time, you have $5.4 million. $5.4 million based on the, everyone gets the same thing, ideology. But based on the parable of the talents, which is God's way, if everyone got what they were given, 5,000, 2,000, 1,000, took the 1,000 from the one guy, gave it to the guy who's good, uh, and then they, uh, they double their money every year, but then the guy who's not faithful is, is not doubling his because he wasn't. You actually would have more than 5.4 million, you have $7.68 million, which is 40% more. Not including the high taxes that we probably would take from, the, from these people to support the guy who's not doing anything with his which would probably push us up to 60, 70, 80%. So my point is this, the parable of the talents proves that God is into you and I prospering in life and being faithful with whatever He has given us. And I don't care if you've only got a thousand bucks, you've still got a thousand bucks. You've still got something. Be faithful with that thing. Be faithful with it. God is into that. God is into that. Money is a tool that you and I get to use. It doesn't have to control us. We can use it. God is for you and I using our money. So we've established that God's the good Father, that we're a son and a daughter of Him, that money is not evil, 
that it's a tool that we use. It doesn't have to have control over us. And I've just given all of us permission to prosper in life. Anyone who's told you that you're not allowed to prosper as a Christian, uh, you can just take that weight off your shoulders. Yes, you are. You're allowed to. You're free. Set free right now. There you go. Um, the, fourth, the fourth perspective is church. I want to talk about our perspective of church as we come around this moment in just a minute to, to uh, make a, a commitment for Vision Builders this year. And uh, a thought I, I often have is where would I be without church? Where would I be without this church? Where would I be without the church I went to when I was in high school? And so many of my friends were choosing a different way of life. And, and I'm so grateful for church because church truly is the hope of the world. It really is the hope of the world. And, and I guess there are people out there that may have the, an incorrect perspective of what church is. That church is a elite religious club. That church is a a club for Christians, a country club for Christians, or the church is, is just for perfect people, or the church is just a place that you and I go to just to mark the religious box. But I'm telling you, friend, church is, is not those things. Church is so much more than just a, a country club for Christians. Because if church was just a, a country club for Christians, then I don't know, I don't know if I would want to give to that. Because I, I wouldn't want to give to something that's just a country club for Christians that they can hang out together and and debate theology, which is what they would probably do. Uh, no, our church is, is not that. Our church is, is a place where, where every week people are set free. Every week people are meeting Jesus. Every week we have story of healings happening, of marriages being restored, of things happening. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com.